Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Cafecito con Estrellita. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hola mi gente. Welcome back to Cafecito con Estrellita. I hope you're doing well this week. Now mi gente, you know what time it is. It is time for our interview episode of the week. And I'm really, really happy to introduce you all to a really good friend of mine. Jonathan Garza, but I end up calling him Garza throughout the entire episode. Currently, he works at the U.S. House of Representatives. He is first gen, and both of us actually met back at UC Santa Barbara, crossed the stage during the same year. It was, it's great, but there's going to be a lot of conversation, not just about how a first gen could get into a, a career field such as where Garza is, but we're also going to be talking about the generational wealth and other things that come from being first gen and coming from a Latinx household. All right, mi gente, I'm going to let this episode speak for itself. Oh, Estrella, it's good to see you. I'm glad you're happy and you're healthy, and I'm glad your family's doing good. It's really great to see you again. It's been a while since we've seen each other in person, but hopefully after this COVID crisis, we'll get to celebrate together. Um, thank you very much again. Um, my name is Jonathan Garza. And yeah, we met at sunny UC Santa Barbara almost four years. No, four years ago? Or is it going yeah. on five years? Four or five. I'm going to say four or five. Four or five. Yeah, we're, we're in between there. So it's been a while. <laughs> no, definitely. Now, Garza, I would really appreciate it if you could go ahead and give some background of, you know, how you started in community college, what we were studying then, what you studied in SB and what you're doing now. And remember, Mijenta, he's first gen. So open your ears. <laughs> yes, I'm a first generation college graduate. So after high school, I actually went uh, to the Art Institute of uh, Los Angeles, but then learned that, you know, it was a for-profit school and they were uh, profiting off of my education and decided to leave. And once I left, I kind of wandered and was trying to figure out how do I uh, pay off these phony student loans and still get an education. So I went to East Los Angeles Community College and for six years, yes, it took me six years, I uh, studied and uh, practiced theater stage management where I was not only working full-time on the side, but going to community college and doing theater stage management all in the same time. And once I decided to, to transfer six years later, I then went to UC Santa Barbara where I decided to study uh, communication studies with an emphasis in political science. And now I'm uh, working at the House of Representatives. And that is so amazing. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so you are now in this amazing, amazing role. Can you go a little more in detail how you found yourself in that position? Because as I was sharing with you backstage, Garza, one thing that is just no secret is that a lot of the time when our first-gen gente, our Latinx community, once they receive that bachelor's degree, a lot of the time, once they try to look for that nine-to-five dream job, whatever it may be for you, because some of us just don't want to go to graduate school or don't want to go to graduate school yet, we try and go into the workforce. However, if we're not finding those big roles in places such as, well, the House of Representatives or maybe working for a big company like Pepsi, we start to feel minimized because a lot of the people in our households start to look at us like, wait, what was the point of you getting the degree if you don't have that huge, huge job position. So then a lot of the times our first gen gente start to feel really down 
about what the accomplishments they did and what their degree even means. But it just means so much. And Garza, I would just love for you to share your entire experience on how you found the experiences you did once you transferred. And what can you let our first-gen Hinton know so then they know what questions, what resources to look for to be in positions similar to yours? Sure, of course. Well, that's a story and a journey, which I will share in a second. But before that, I just want to share to all the listeners, getting educated or earning your education is never a waste of time. And you should never feel down, even if you're not in the position you want. You're part of the 1% of the planet that is absolutely educated, and you're already changing the world because you know how to study, you know what questions to ask, and you you know that you now see the world in a different way. So never let anyone tell you it was a waste of time because your education is the ultimate investment that you can make in yourself. Okay, boom. So with that, <laughs> with that, um, when I transferred from East Los Angeles to UCSB, I was a full-fledged theater stage manager. I was going to do, that's what I knew I wanted to do with my career. And then the big T hit America, and that is Trump. So when uh, Trump um, entered the presidency, I said, all right, it's time to pivot. It's time to change careers. I need to do something different with my life because while this is going going on, I can't just do theater. So when I transferred, I knew I wanted to do uh, communication studies with an emphasis in political science and then minor in political science. So once I had my eyes set on that, I was starting to search for the general direction of what I wanted to take. And lo and behold, the first day of uh, transfer welcome day, there was a booth uh, for UCDC or UC Santa Cruz that offered internship opportunities either in Santa Cruz uh, I'm sorry, not Santa Cruz, Sacramento, excuse me, Sacramento, <laughs> um, or in Washington, D.C. So once I saw that booth, I knew that's immediately what I wanted to do. And because I'm a non-traditional student and it took me a bit of time to get to a four-year university, I knew that this was my time to take it. So once I had a general idea and a direction, I then started looking for internship opportunities in Washington, D.C., And I knew that I had uh, three policy priorities that I wanted to focus on, and that was education, environment, and veteran affairs. I I wanted to focus on education because of my journey and my difficulties earning uh, a bachelor's degree and the amount of hoops and and, uh, the inequities I noticed uh, along my journey. Like, for example, in the Art Institute, it was... Uh, they were charging me $30,000 a year uh, for a degree that was, at the end of the day, pointless. It was not an accredited school, so my education and my credits went down the drain after a year I was there. So things like that. Then I wanted to focus on environment policy because climate change is going to affect Latino communities the worst, and my family specifically I know is going to can't afford to survive the worst effects of climate change. So I knew that that was an important subject I wanted to learn more in. And then veteran affairs, because I have a lot of friends who are veterans and they never receive the resources they need to, to live a fruitful life. So once I had that general direction of where I wanted to go, I then found my current boss, Chairman Raul M. Grijalva, and I knew that I wanted to intern for this man because of his policy decisions. He's a Latino leader in politics 
And at the time, I didn't know how influential he was. I was just focused on the, the subject. But it turned out that he was an absolutely influential leader in Latino politics. And now I'm working for him uh, two and a half years later um, after my internship with him. My goodness, that's amazing. And now, okay, so you found the internship. How Was it mm-hmm. difficult finding the internship? How did you find the information from your schools or from yourself, colleagues, to even look for an opportunity like this? Yeah, so once I had a general idea and direction of where I wanted to go, I knew what questions to ask. And uh, the UC system is very good about having a lot of resources and opportunities to look for what you want to do. Not necessarily um, uh, an exact job, but I I describe it more as a general direction. Um, So if you want to get into the arts, there's a lot of resources for you to research um, what art positions you want to do, what career choices are available. Same thing with social services, technology, um, computer engineering, uh, physics, vice versa. Once you figure out the general direction that you want to go, you can ask uh, good, important questions. So thank goodness for the UC, for UC Santa Barbara, once I figured out my general direction, I was able to ask questions and ask for resources. So the, the UCDC Center was very good about having an entire database of the types of internships that are available in D.C. from not necessarily politics, but uh, or on the House of Representatives or working in Congress, but they had internships for the Smithsonian, for um, uh, for uh, theater companies here in D.C., even if I, because I wasn't doing theater then, but if I wanted to, that was possible. But a myriad of choices of internships to find here in DC that were not political. So once I knew what I was looking for, they had a database. They helped me on how to format my resume, how to format my cover letter, and to make sure that my materials were specific to that direction that I was going. And those are resources that were available to me and any UC student. No, of course. And now this next topic I want to bring up, it still stays in this area, but it'll definitely be more like you and I having to conversate a little bit. So you and I, I'm from OC, you're from LA. So obviously hey. when <laughs> when we went to UCSB, that was a, you know, a campus away from home, at least like two hours max, I believe, for both parties. Yep. Yes. Yep, yep. So we went away from home. However, we're not like, you know, blind to the fact that there are a lot of people from our community, the Latinx community, Latino, that they choose commuter schools. And I'm going to mention commuter schools more in the SoCal area just because that's what I'm more familiar with, even though I'm not living there right now. There's schools such as Cal State Fullerton, Cal State Long Beach, all those. Now, Mm -hmm. a lot of um, our community members attend those schools so they can still help La Familia and save the money because saving money for our mm-hmm. community is very big. So Garza... Yep. Generational based, wealth is important. Exactly. So Garza, based on everything that you know to this point, do you think students, even if they're going to commuter schools, could still find the opportunities that you found at the UC? What What thoughts do you have on all this? Absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned this. Uh, because I've been having a conversation with myself now that I'm in D.C. and I've been working for Chairman Raul M. Grijalva for, for two and a half years. Oh, my God, yeah, two and a half years now. Um, I'm at the point of my career where 
I know I want to eventually come back to Los Angeles and start working in Los Angeles politics and helping my community back home. So keeping that in mind, let's say for my example, uh, I may have gone about this a different way, but for a person going to a commuter school, once you figure out your general direction, once you figure out the type of work you want to get into, once you're at your school, then you know what questions to ask. Then you know what programs to look out for. So just saying, um, for example, my position, if I had went to Cal State LA instead and I knew I still wanted to get involved in politics, I knew what programs and what questions to ask. And I know that uh, the mayor's office in, La in the downtown Los Angeles and also Long Beach and all the other surrounding cities in Southern California, there are a lot of public service and political positions and internships available. So if I went to um, Kelsey Northridge or Fullerton, I knew I would have been searching out and looking out for those opportunities. Now, another example, if you're an art student, okay, and you're going to one of these uh commuter schools, you have Disney, <laughs> you have uh, uh, the Fashion Institute down, downtown Los Angeles, you have Hollywood, you have all these different artistic outlets to look out for, and you get to, to ask those questions of where you want to end up. And the same thing with engineering, physics, okay, Tesla, um, and all these other firms. Going to these commuter schools, you get to ask the same questions that I did at UC. It just so happens that you're staying home to help the family because you need to, but you're still able to look out for these resources. And I love that. And, you know, I just got to say, Garza, I think you bring up a very, very good point where you had mentioned you figure out, kind of have a really strong idea of what direction you want to take. And I'm going to be honest with you. I would have never been able to find my direction, like, you know, with still studying in grad school towards you know, my EDD, and then, well, now mm -hmm. a podcast that only focuses on first-gen students in the Latinx <laughs> world. I promise, you know how everything just works out the way it's supposed to. However, yeah, however, what I do want to bring up, I'm going to be honest, even though I've always really enjoyed education during college, high school, I was pretty insecure. But anyways, mm -hmm. and I've loved talking, connecting with people. If I didn't start off at my community college, I would have not have gained experiences and take more time to understand me because I feel like there's so mm -hmm. much pressure, so much pressure for our young youth to be going to a huge school at 18 years old, especially as a first gen too. Absolutely. No, definitely. And then of course, if you are in the position where you went to a four-year right after high school, I mean, that's great too. That is super impressive because it's hard for high school students to get in and I acknowledge you for that, applaud you. But I also want to applaud and acknowledge our Latinx students that have started at community college, maybe are still there before transferring. Because I feel like when you're at a smaller institution that still gives really good quality education, you don't feel those heavy pressures. You don't feel like you're competing with anyone. Mm -hmm. And then Absolutely. you can really figure out what you want to do. And it's and because it's more of a, an affordable institution, you can spend mm -hmm. the time and money on hobbies. Like, you know, theater was always your hobby. And you were able yep. to, like, still do it. Well, passion, too. Yep. But you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. And then moving on forward. So, Garza, as you just, you know, you're living in D.C., First gen, mm -hmm. we can't forget that. That is the highlight of this conversation. How was it for you as a first gen 
to, to move, not, not just like, okay, you went from moving two hours away from La Casa to now, I don't even know how many hours. How was that for you? How was that for your parents? And what advice could you give to anybody in our communities that do want to move out to continue growing as a person and career-wise? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Um, so that is a difficult conversation to have, especially within the Latino community, because we are such family-oriented. We are such a family-oriented population. Everything runs about the family, grandmas, grandpas, uh, stay in the home. We don't put them in old folks home. They stay in one family unit house. We all stay together. Um, and I, we take care of each other. We take care of our little siblings or cousins. And that's a difficult choice to make when you're trying to personally grow. And as a Latino community, we need to have, we need to reduce that stigma of, you going off to college and growing and taking care of yourself is in the best interest of the family. I know we just joked a little earlier about the generational wealth. That's a serious issue within the Latino community. We don't have generational wealth, even though we've been here for over uh, forever. <laughs> we have been here. Um, so going from two hour commute to 2,700 miles away, and it's exactly a 38-hour drive. I've timed it, and I've done it a few times. It's a 38-hour drive <laughs> to Washington, D.C. was uh, difficult. It's difficult to be separated from your family, from your grandma's home cooking, especially in an environment that was not built and designed for, for people of color, flat out. Um, it was a serious adjustment coming to D.C., because there may be a lot of diversity within the city because it's a black community. It's a black city, but there's not a lot of inclusion. Uh, it's a white dominated space that wasn't designed for us. And it's difficult to find your footing and to, and to find your way around. And what ends up, what ends up happening is all the Latinos end up sticking to each other. All the people of color end up, it's like high school. It's one, uh, one part of the cafeteria where everybody, uh, uh, comes and sticks together. So when uh, I've gotten better at it, and it's definitely a transition, but when I first did the internship, it was hard. It was really difficult to be away from my family. There were there were days where I was really sad when I, I just wanted to find some good menudo but couldn't find any and had to figure out how to make it myself, make my own tortillas, make my own food. And it's hard. But at the end of the day, you're doing good by your family. And you have to keep that in mind. You're doing good by your family and you're doing good for your community. When you're the only person of color on the, in these meetings, it's, it's a lot of pressure because you're really representing your community. You really are. And it, it's a moment of pressure, but it's also a moment of pride that, hey, you made it. You're here. And you're doing the best you can and you have your values and you know why you're in that position. And I'm not going to lie. It's hard, but at the end of the day, it's worth it. 
No, of course. And I, I resonate with you so much because, okay, well, for me, like, as you know, I, I have this podcast platform and it's, it's been growing because I want me first and gente to have this community to come back to, you know, especially because mm-hmm. of all the struggles, the good and the bad that come with, you know, the collectivistic mindset of our Latino yeah. community, you know, you know, and, um, but even sometimes I do have a pressure because it's like, it's social media. Everybody's. Yeah can see it. So sometimes I have moments as I'm getting ready to post something, as I'm getting ready to like write down or brainstorm what questions I want to ask my interviewees or what topics I want to bring up for an episode. I feel a little bit of that pressure. Like, oh my gosh, like I may, I know I'm just a little grad student content creator, but it's pressure because anyone yeah. can look up anything on the internet. And I guess what adds more pressure is just the fact that, you know, our numbers are still growing, at least for this podcast. Now, I want to go back a little bit and just share so our gente can hear two different kinds of experiences. So, as you know, Garza, I moved away from home again, but for grad school, 800 miles away and for other personal reasons. And, oh, my goodness, this was very hard. But just like you said, personal growth is so important, not just for yourself as mm-hmm. a first gen, but also for your parents. Because the mm-hmm. thing is, I always thought just doing exactly what Miss Guardians had wanted, I it mm-hmm. was I was doing good. However, that was being toxic to them in the sense where they'll always have like this control of the final say, mm-hmm. and then toxic mm-hmm. to me because I didn't fully have my own identity. So then mm-hmm. when I made the move again, which 800 miles away, it was very hard because I had the typical, my mom's c- crying like, y si me muero, ya te fuiste. <laughs> And then I just like, there was a part of me because we oh, all, man. there was a part of me. We all know this. It's not a hidden secret. And that's why this safe space is so important to me. It's not a hidden secret. Sometimes the crying will guilt trip you to be like, okay, I won't move. But I just, I just knew at the bottom of my heart, especially with like, I think it also just comes with age where I'm like, no, I, I need to do this move. It'll work for both of us later. And yep. even though I did, yep feel bad and the guilt was almost gonna like eat me alive it's like i flipped off this little switch i'm like no you have to be the adult right now estrella yep and it's okay because i feel like as the siblings you know the first gen children and the parents we we switch roles on who's the parent or not Mm -hmm. so you know but it's just it's difficult but in the long run it's worth it you know it is absolutely worth it and you know what just uh on that subject my grandmother. So I went back to California for my, uh, to visit my family and stay with them for the holidays. And I drove back from California to DC uh, with my dog in the backseat. And right before I left those tears, especially from grandma, you know, she, they, they, you know what I mean? They always come out. I no me quieres porque se va todos los nietos ya me dejaron estoy aquí solita like grandma you're not alone you have ninas and you have the house you're fine okay but it's it's the tears they get you and you're like oh but grandma generational wealth <laughs> and that, it's actually a serious conversation that especially uh, my mother my ninas who has a college degree too and myself are starting to have and all my cousins that, so my cousin is an engineer. He graduated from Stanford. He's absolutely intelligent. He, he's a, his, he's a whiz with mechanics. 
um, Gary, my other cousin, she's going to go into to, to ch- uh, childcare and child programming. And now I'm in politics. We're now starting to have that, these serious conversations of how do we build this generational wealth and how do we ensure we buy a place for grandma? Where's grandma going to live? Because she's only getting older. She can't make tamales and tortillas for the rest of her life. Um, but now that we're, this is the beautiful part and this is the hard part. But y'all have to understand, we're all in a position now to take care of grandma. We're all in a position now to be able to afford to take care of grandma and build that that intergenerational wealth for our children and our grandchildren. And that is, think of of it as as a sacrifice, and it is a sacrifice. Going past those crocodile tears that grandma or your mom always you know, always crying, like, but that's the sacrifice. Like, Grandma, I want to be able to take care of you. Papi, I want to be able to take care, take care of you. This is going to help with us. And that's what you have to help them understand. And it's hard, but I no me quiere. I... You can get over that really quickly. <laughs> no, definitely. Especially when you know as a first-gen, not only based on your experiences, but all the knowledge you've learned from education, you know, you know what you're doing, you know? Yep. And yes, yep. maybe tu familia might give you a little cold shoulder for a little bit but, or whatever, but I, I promise you it's not going to last forever. It's not. Especially because your, your family has other things to do. If they're busy being petty 24-7 towards you, then they can't cook <laughs> and they can't go to work. <laughs> and then, right? And this is what, Corza, and then this oh is what I this is what I find so crucial. So I know I've mentioned it quite a bit during season two, but I'm going to mention it again. So one of the uh-huh. things that I personally do to calm my mom down sometimes, because it happens mm-hmm. just like sometimes she calms me down. Like it's a whole thing. We all know how Latinx families work anyways. Yeah. So what I yeah. do is that if I have days where I'm just, I'm super busy, whether I'm doing homework or I'm trying to learn some new podcast thing, because I, I like to try and update, even though I don't have much uh-huh. going on with the tech. Anyways, so um, (laughs) what I do is when I'm sitting down and working, I'll call her on FaceTime. We talk for like five minutes and then I tell her to put me on mute and I put myself on mute and we keep each other company virtually. So while I'm working, she's working, whether she's watching a novella, está haciendo Uh comida, whatever it may be. Uh And it's just that company because at the end of the day, that's all it really is. Because, for example, we can be with grandma or mom for three hours of the day, but not Mm -hmm. even really talk. We just want each other's company. And that, I think, is what they really want and need your company, even though they may not even know that. No, that is what they need. Does that make sense? That that absolutely makes sense. And that's actually something I started doing um, as well with my grandma. Someone taught her how to text. (laughs) I don't know who it was, but somebody taught her how to text and somebody taught her how to send pictures. And oh my God, that's all she wants to see now. It's just a text and a picture. Como estas? Mandeme un mensaje. Como estas? And that's it. Uh, It's all, it's all, it's all they want. But... (laughs) Oh, man, that's funny. But, hey, it's those little things. So then, like, we could still keep, like, you know, the family together. And then lastly, one other thing that may help you with that guilt about, you know, leaving the nest but to better la familia and yourself. Because when you better yourself, everything around you also gets better, even if it's super hard. Just remember Mm -hmm. this. 
your parents left Mexico. Like, mm-hmm. don't you think their grandparents or parents, if they came without their parents, were sad and cried to them? They most likely were, but they did it because they knew it would, like, help our family and where we're at now. So it's kind of like we all take turns of that. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, that's that's honestly... Yeah, that's that's a different perspective. I haven't really thought about, but you're right. You know, it's uh, it's that teeter totter of going back and forth. Of again, the intergenerational wealth they took care of us, and eventually we're going to take care of them. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, we have you're to. Right. And I learned that because one of my tias up here that I've met, she told me something like that in the sense she's just like everything just comes back around, you know, like. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, that's very true. Now, as we're still in the topics of La Familia and things like that, as we've shared, it's obviously no secret at all at this point, Garza, that you're very familiar and you're very, very educated on politics in your area of expertise. So I want to ask you, where did that interest stem from? Was was also your interest in politics stem from La Familia or did you have to find it on your own? Because I also know there are a lot of Latinx families that don't really do politics. Yeah, so growing up, I was always involved in uh, in politics. Um, I volunteered for Obama's campaign. I volunteered at my voting booth. Um, and when I graduated high school, I wasn't old enough to, to vote for for Papa Obama, but I did um, vote in the my very first election was the next um, was the midterm elections, and I kid you not. Me voting was a bigger celebration than my graduation. My grandma, my mom, my grandpa, they were they walked me to the voting booth. They were cheering me on. They were taking pictures. They took a picture of me before. They took a picture of me with the, the voting sticker on. It was a huge deal. Um, and at the time, I didn't realize why. I just knew it just was. And we were always involved in politics. And... It's it's funny you ask this question because when I went back to Los Angeles to just visit them and be with my family, I started asking more questions on why that was and why we were so involved in politics. And it turns out it is just completely woven into my family's history. And they understood the importance of policy, good public policy and politics and how it affects the home. And so my grandpa, he was a bracero. And he was able to get his citizenship from Texas. First of all, he was, he was a Texan, but because, you know, racism, they didn't allow him to be an American citizen. But he got his citizenship through the Bracero program. And he went from farm to farm to farm, working the, the land, um, working the fields until he ended up in Los Angeles. And that's where he met my grandmother. And my grandmother, because moving between the border uh, freely was a thing back then, She was living in Ruiz Nayarit, and she moved um, her and my mother uh, at the time. My mother was three years old from Ruiz Nayarit because there was no work. Uh, She told me how she would work 14-hour days and maybe make uh, $1.50 for the entire day. And she said, "That's, that's not enough, and work was drying up. And so she decided to take my mom and cross the border with one of her comadres, um, to Los Angeles and to work there. And 
I didn't know this. I haven't, I didn't know this for the longest time, but my grandmother was a huge rebel. <laughs> she was an absolute rebel because she ended up, started working in all these white ladies' homes, cleaning and, and uh, picking up their mess and they weren't paying her enough. And she was like, this is not right. I should be earning more. And so then she decided to, to go work at a restaurant instead where she got paid a little more but the the late the white lady who owned the restaurant was taking advantage of my grandmother, and again she was like, "This is wrong. This is not right. Uh, I should be making more." So what she ended up doing is she ended up cooking her own food, <laughs> selling it on the side, and making more mo- making more money. But that fighting spirit was always in her, and at that restaurant is actually where she met my grandpa, and my grandpa uh, they ended up getting married. And then he got a strong union job where he got benefits. He was making refrigerators and uh, commerce in Los Angeles. And he knew the, how having a strong union job gave them the stability to settle down, be able to, to have my ninas and send the two, two of them to school. But they understood how important public policy was in their life. And so when it came time for my mother, when she had me, she was very young. She was 19 and she was a hustler. She hustled, she worked, she was a single mother. And because she was such a hustler, she made more than the, than the SNAP benefits would allow her to receive. So my mother did not get any help raising me. She wasn't able to qualify for, for WIC or EBT because she made that slightly little she made a little bit more than the income requirement. So that made her hustle even more. And so I was raised with that idea of, of how important public policy is in our lives. And then when it came time for my education, she played the shuffleboard game. She knew that the, the school district that I was in wasn't as good as another one. So she moved us to, to, to another school, to another home. So then I can have a better middle school education and a high school education. So I didn't realize how rebellious my family was until going back home to revisit my history. And that's when I learned that politics, it was no wonder I was going to get involved in politics because my family was involved in it the entire time. No, of course. And I love that so much. And this is why I, so this is why these conversations, these research topics, experiences that we bring up, I find it so crucial because a lot of the time as first gen, you know, we're always going to have good intentions going back to our families, even if they drive Mm -hmm. us crazy sometimes with sometimes. All the time. (laughs) Exactly. I feel like. All the time. Yep. I feel like our first-gen Latinx families just drive us sometimes kind of crazy in comparison to other non-minority families, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> but this is what I mean. This is what I mean that just makes first-gen Latinx individuals so special. Because here's we know the stories and the struggles that our parents did to raise us and bring us here strictly for a better future. No other reason, mm-hmm. better future. And we know that. But sometimes we forget how knowledgeable and how many opportunities we can find while we're here because we're still trying to keep La Familia happy. Do you know what I'm saying? But you can do it. It'll be so hard. But that's why, like, being first-gen is so hard because you are breaking generational curses. And it's not easy, but it is worth it. 
you know? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's setting a new baseline for our children, right? And for future generations. And that's why it's really fascinating to see the differences between first-gen families and first-gen college students and generations that have been here a while. And just those small differences, how it changes the mindset. And even though, yeah, we are breaking the mold, it, they, some of our family may not understand. At the end of the day, we're, we're setting a new trend and we're making new trends and setting a new baseline for ourselves. I mean, I still have some cousins um, that, you know, we're, we're going to get into some, some deep weeds right now, but, 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 but they're like, pero pa qué? Por qué? No vas a ir a trabajar? Por qué no vas a trabajar? You know that? You've, have you heard that? Mm-hmm. Para qué? Or, um, or they call you fresa or gringo or huero because you want to go and get your education and you want to learn how to read. And just because you decide to, to, to read or instead of uh, drinking the coronas after night, like that's breaking of the trend and they might not like what you're doing. But again, you have exactly what you said. You have to buckle down and know that you're doing this for the family. You're doing this um, to, to set the new baseline to break the cycle. There we go. We're breaking the cycle. That's what we're doing. We are breaking the cycle so that we can make a better future for ourselves. Exactly. And just, I know these conversations are just so reassuring because I know you and I right now, we're not an undergrad anymore, but we're experiencing different things with our life, but still connected to the early first gen stages, if you know what I mean. But I just know these conversations, they're reassuring for other younger first gen Latinx students, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's just nice to, because I always remember the worst feeling ever was being misunderstood because you want more when, you know, yep. you have familias that are just like, pero por qué coronas, you know, like drink a corona instead. You want more. <laughs> you're being misunderstood in the household, but yet you're still being misunderstood in like the academic setting because you're trying mm-hmm. to like, you're like, you know, you want to do better for the family. So when you get to academics, you're like doing what you can, but you're not at the, you're not getting the same grades or results that you may always want in comparison mm-hmm. to your other peers that aren't first gen. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like, Oh, you know? Yeah. But, um, but you bring up a, a point and, th- and this is a question that I'm curious about. Okay. Um, and this would be an interesting study to do the difference between like you and I, we understand our immigrant roots and we understand the struggle and that's slightly different from family, from uh, Latino families that have been here a while because I have had conversations with other Latinos who have been here for generations. For their family, the trend was to be Americanized, to assimilate. You are now American. You are not Mexican. You are now American. You're not going to learn to speak Spanish. You're going to learn to speak English. You're going to be, quote unquote, white, for lack of a better word, versus our generation we are absolutely knowledgeable of the fact that we are first gen, that we are breaking the cycle and we're growing up and we're coming of age at a time where we don't have to be Americanized. We don't have to only speak English. We can maintain our cultural identity. And now that we're knowledgeable of the fact 
My question now today is, how do I raise my children to have that knowledge and to continue that tradition of, you're an immigrant. This is part of your heritage. This is part of your story. You don't have to be ashamed of it anymore. You don't have to be scared of it. It is who you are, and you could still pursue your dreams while still, still knowing your history because we're no longer ashamed of it. We don't have to be ashamed of it. We're the majority now. No, of course. And I, I'll somewhat answer your question, at least based on what I do, because I'm relating to what you're saying. It's just like, how can I still like keep my, my roots, my culture, but I'll still doing like, you know, higher academia stuff. My mm-hmm. podcast has a freaking concha. <laughs> on, the <weekend. laughs> on the weekends or okay not every weekend but whenever i can pro- when there was not a pandemic pretty much i l- yeah. used to like to really like you know how can i say this when I, actually i have a better example when i go to work because i work in a school district mm-hmm. i wear my waraches with my professional hey clothes. hey <laughs> <laughs> and i make it work i make it work like you know what i'm saying you know, they're yeah. either pink or brown. Yeah, that's what's up. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, but yes. All right, Garza. So it looks like we're coming to an end of our episode. But before we go, is there any last things you want to say? Are you are you able to leave any contact information in case anyone wants to reach out? And maybe any questions they may have in regards to this conversation? Or maybe they just want to network with you? Sure. Um, do you want me to say it out loud or do you want to drop it in the... I'll do both. Like say it out loud and then I'll put whatever you want me to put into the episode description. Yeah. You know, um, if anybody has any questions or I absolutely uh, recommend everybody get into public service one way, shape or form, you know, that's just my bias. But if you have any questions, you could always email me at uh, Jonathan Garza. 75 at yahoo.com and yeah it's a yahoo account i'm old like that 90s kid forever um or just add me on on linkedin uh look up jonathan garza i'm happy to answer any questions or um um, if you want to get involved uh publicly um the final thought i'll leave for everyone else is never forget that your voto is tu voz your your vote is your voice and we can see from this past election how important la- Latinos are to, to, to future elections. And just don't forget to vote. Don't become cynical. Uh, being on the back end, I, can, I can't say publicly, but I can tell you how many countless public servants there are that are fighting for you. And you just have to remember to vote. <laughs> and I love that. I really do. Yes, period. And yeah, you'll be able to find Garza on LinkedIn super, super easy. And he he has the little gold icon. So he is. He's special. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Muchas gracias, mi gente. And hablamos pronto.